0: Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find the show as well. Today, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show, Katie Talikowska, Chief Executive Officer of The Valuable 500. And today's focus is disabilities. Now, The Valuable 500 is using the power of business to drive lasting change, for the 1.3 billion people around the world who are living with a disability. They are a collective of 500 businesses and CEOs, chaired by Paul Pullman, former chief executive at Unilever, who are innovating for disability inclusion and who include some of the most recognized firms and brands around the world, including the likes of Google, Microsoft, Apple, Deloitte and Barclays so you're in for a really interesting conversation and without further ado katie a big heartfelt welcome onto the do one better podcast today
1: thank you so much and a big heartfelt thank you from you too i am uh, genuinely delighted and excited to be here so thank you so much for having me
0: well great you're, it's the first time you're on the show but actually it's not the first time that the valuable 500 on the show so we had Carolyn casey founder uh, of, of the valuable 500 about a year ago maybe a little bit over a year ago uh, but it was great learning about the work you're doing, uh, supporting disability, getting and convening corporates uh, at scale, actually, to, to, to get this moving and also having non, no, none less than, than Paul Pullman as, as the chair, uh, which is quite an impressive feat as well. There are quite a few things we're going to talk about. We have about half an hour. And why don't we just start by giving us a little bit of a recap of the Valuable 500 and the journey thus far?
1: Absolutely, thank you. So, the the Valuable Five Hundred is is essentially a, a global business partnership of five hundred companies working together with a common goal and a clear mission of ending uh, disability exclusion. And when Caroline came on a year ago, she would have shared with you that she launched at Davos on the main stage in twenty nineteen, and I think at that stage it, it was a it was a vision. <laughs> And uh, my job right now, working with our 500 partners and by extension the disability business uh, community, is to deliver on that vision through action and accountability. Uh, so, so that's that's effectively my my role. I have big shoes to fill. <laughs> uh, Caroline is our founder; she's happily for all of us uh, still very much involved, but she's brought me on to partner with her to continue the partnership to drive towards effectively what we are calling the world's largest accountability summit so we are inviting um, our partners to join us for those who can join us uh, physically we will be in tokyo tokyo uh, has huge importance to us our founders are the nippon foundation without whom we wouldn't be here along with the support of our iconics So it's a moment of reckoning, a show up. We report back um, and that's on the 3rd of December, 2025. So a big accountability summit where we talk about what we've done. We talk about how we've driven system change and hold each other to account. So as I sit here with you today, it is, uh, I, I, I can't lie. It's overwhelming. It's exciting. But you know what? It really matters. It's really, really, really important. Uh, so that's the stage that we're at for the Valuable Five Hundred, with the eye on the prize of accountability in Tokyo in 2025.
0: Excellent. So you have that that accountability summit coming up, third of December 2025. We were joking a little bit earlier. That's when this shit gets real, right? Like that. It, it certainly <laughs> does. We, we, it certainly does. We have to focus <laughs> the mind, and you're you know you're dealing with some huge uh, corporate partners there: Google, Microsoft, Apple, Deloitte. Bar, you know huge names uh not easy to do and we're trying to get everybody's mind here to focus and try to again like you pointed out action and accountability uh give us a flavor of where things are right now so you're actually fairly new in post right and you, you were earlier this year you came on board as the chief executive uh you're probably also just gathering a little bit you know scoping out the layout. The landscape, what, what's going on? How would you describe things right now with those stakeholders that you're dealing with? What with the activity that's going on, with the research that's going on?
1: Yeah. So on on a personal level, I find it I find it incredibly humbling. Um, you know, people can talk a lot about imposter syndrome, and the reality is, I I am new in role. It's my first time as a chief exec, and it's pretty humbling. I have a seat at the table with the biggest and best and most influential minds. But what struck me and given me real reassurance and a real sense of excitement about what we're doing and the possibility and the huge opportunity is that they are human beings and we are all united by the fact that what we're doing is necessary and it is morally right. So that that is actually a, a brilliant leveler and i am getting to meet our our iconics we have 15 iconics of our 500 and we work with you know caroline will have shared this previously you know we we work with you know the total workforce is 22 million employees across those 500 so we have a huge power of the collective but i am feeling i'm feeling humble i'm feeling incredibly hopeful Absolutely, I'm having moments of being overwhelmed. I used that word before, but it's true because it's big and it's vital and it's meaningful and it's ambitious. So those are my emotions. But I think where we are as a collective is this moment of pause and inflection because what Caroline and, and the brilliant team at the Valuable 500 and the partners have done over the last two years is to identify the three biggest problems facing the disability community, and that's lack of representation uh, in media, that's lack of, re- lack of disability reporting, and lack of disability in, in leadership. So through research, through listening, through innovating, uh, as a collective, the Valuable 500 and the Partners have identified those three system barriers, those three problems that absolutely categorically need to be solved. And we will solve them together through what we call, and this is very important language, very choiceful language, synchronized collective action. Because the reality is, and, and more power to their elbow, these 500 partners are already doing brilliant, brilliant work individually. But imagine the power of the collective when we all come together solving against the same problem at the same time in the same way. That's 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 when this shit gets real and that okay. allows us to, to achieve because one person, one company can't do do it alone. You know, it's this what's the saying, isn't it? You know, to, together we go further. Excellent. So it's the it's the power of the collective, and and we need to mobilize um, and work
0: together. Excellent. Excellent. And you mentioned one of those, one of those pillars, uh, being disability and leadership.
1: Yeah.
0: And I remember one of the really interesting things that I, when, when Carolyn and, and I spoke last year, which I think so many people are not aware of that there's just so, so many, there are so many individuals who have a disability, but it's a disability that you would not be able to tell by looking at that person. Yeah. Um, and also some of the, the hurdles that are out there, some, some overt, some perhaps not so much so, where people might be discouraged from self-identifying or declaring their disability. So what does that all look like? Because on the one hand, it's nice to say, yeah, we wanna have make sure that this disability represented in leadership, but how do we overcome some of these challenges that, that are out there?
1: So having launched the reporting white paper at Davos in January, 2023, What we've then been working on with our Iconics and our partners is a follow-up to that, a really important practical application, which is the self-ID, self-identification playbook. And that's a critical, practical tool that we are calling upon all our partners to implement. And effectively what it does is it allows both the companies and the new employees to have open conversations about effectively, I would use the language of who they are as human beings. What do I need to do my best work? Where can I add value? What's the best conditions? What are my working patterns? And it's really important that we normalize it, that people don't feel that they're asking for an inverted commas special treatment or, you know, there's any kind of stigma around it. It's literally bring, bring your whole, whole self to work and do your best work to feel rewarded and give value to the organization. So the self-ID playbook is a really critical uh, and and exciting follow-up, which will be launched this year.
0: Now, you're a global outfit. Your constituents are global as well. You touched on the cultural uh, aspect of it as well. I'm curious. uh, The summit itself is happening in Japan. You have a lot of members who are in Japan, a lot of members who are here in the UK and elsewhere. Culturally speaking, are there certain differences worth highlighting for the sake of the conversation in terms of how things tend to happen in one part of the world versus another? Uh, I know it's, we're generalizing, but are there any any trends, any specific discernible uh, dynamics that are worth highlighting?
1: So if I, if I may, Alberto, I will slightly flip that because I have not yet been made aware of any acute differences, conversely what I find actually very encouraging is there are some similarities and therefore us working together in the same way should help us go faster and further. So I, you know, one, one thing that's been highlighted with me, and actually I was having a, a conversation with um, Mr. Shingo Mori, one of our Japanese partners from Sony, and he was talking about um, uh recruitment and representation of the disabled community um, in companies. And he was saying the educational system is very, very good, but there is no no bridge in terms of work experience. So uh, across the board globally, increasingly, you're getting a lot of highly capable, uh, qualified uh, graduates uh, self-identifying as living with a disability. But there uh, there aren't work experience programs. There aren't ways to broker that bridge. And then the problem is, is the application because through fear if companies don't have enough disabled talent within their workforce then the angst comes in the fear comes in and 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 inevitably if you haven't got representation within the workforce then you're going to be less appealing to someone who wants to come in and that's something that i found talking to uh, other partners in other geographies as 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 well so it's it, it's interesting that The the education system seems to be working, and if you are in an organization, then increasingly there is more opportunity to grow through the ranks, but it's that critical recruitment getting in because, again, I think it it stems from some fear and ignorance. I, I, I passionately believe, I have to believe there is no ill intent, but it's just a lack of education, and interesting, as I talk to different partners in different geographies, that seems to be a common trend. But as yet, and again, I, you know, it comes down to the fact that we're all human beings. I think really, even when you strip back important cultural nuances and sensitivities, when you get to the heart of the problem, it is about seeing the human being, whether or not you live in China, whether or not you live in France, whether or not you live in Japan or, or, or Canada.
0: Hmm. If we go back to the, the start of our conversation, you mentioned about, you know, the, the summit, and we were talking about the summit, action and accountability, Yes. Um, there's been so much groundwork done since 2019, right? Since mm-hmm. since those days, a lot of research, a lot of convening, a lot of interesting conversations. What What do you envision the action and the accountability will look like, should look like? What are the key steps that you're encouraging your constituents and the wider community to embrace?
1: So in terms of the three uh, synchronised collective actions and the steps that need to be taken. We have developed and are developing programmes and initiatives that enable that system change. So I've spoken about the reporting uh, white paper. We have a a leadership um, uh, mentoring programme that we call Generation Valuable. And that was launched in in Davos uh, this year. Um, we uh, currently have 77 uh, of our companies who are taking part. And each company puts forward a mentor and a mentee. And I think that's really critical because I've spoken again about the importance of leading from the top and leading by example. So we are having C-suite leaders within our companies mentoring and effectively being reverse mentored by up and coming uh talent within their organizations where they're having really honest conversations where they are hearing directly from a person with a disability in their organization what's working and critically what's not so we've got this fantastic program where you have c-suite and future c-suite connecting and sharing and helping each other all with the column. With a common goal so we have that program and then we are also working on representation where we're going out to the disability communicate community at large and we're doing research i mean that's really the cornerstone of what we've always done you know we listen we research we don't claim to have all the answers so we're commissioning a huge piece of research with the disabled community to understand how they want to be authentically represented um, in, in, in in all sorts of communication and in, in all its guises. And that's really critically important that we do that in, in a way that is appropriate and authentic. So the three steps are three programs, three initiatives that are in support of those three synchronized collective actions to break down those three system barriers. Mm.
0: And that research that you're doing with the community with disabilities I think it was Carolyn, actually, when she was on the show mentioned something along the lines of nothing about us without us.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's absolutely critical. If if I may, Alberto, I, I wouldn't mind sharing when, when you say that nothing ab- about us without us. If I may talk about my, my personal journey and my personal story in terms of the world of disability, I do not have a lived um, experience. of of disability. But in 2016, my background is in advertising and marketing. I've worked for a big big uh, multinational global agencies working on big, bigger accounts, And back in 2016, I was running Mars Wrigley Confectionery. It was very popular with my daughter. I used to bring home an awful lot of chocolate. Um, <laughs> I was running Mars Wrigley Confectionery. And one of the key brands I was working on from a UK perspective was Maltesers.
0: Oh, delicious no, little! right there. It's one of my favorites. I, I should
1: probably say other oh, bite-sized confectionery is available. <laughs> um, but I was working on Maltesers. And... I, I got an email. I got a. I got effectively a spam email from Channel Four. Channel Four were the broadcaster at the time for the Paralympics when the UK was hosting the Paralympics, and they're a fabulous organisation. They very right, rightfully acknowledged and identified that representation in communications was was woeful. I mean, it was it was close to zero, as close to zero can get without being zero. It was awful, and it wasn't authentic. So they. They laid down the gauntlet to a brand and said, we will give you a million pounds worth of free airtime and we will give you the centre center break spot when we broadcast the opening ceremony of the Paralympics. We will give that to any brand who for the first time ever authentically represents the disabled community in their advertising. And we did it for Maltesers. And it was hard and it was scary. And we had moments of doubt because we, we were questioning. We were questioning our right as, to be frank, an exclusively able-bodied team, uh, advertising team. But we went out to the disabled community. We partnered with Scope and we spoke to the community. And we said, tell us about your stories and the key thing that they said and what we got was and, and i'm not a, always a fan of this well but, but this word but it was we're just normal people see us as humans we laugh at the same things we cry at the same things we have the same worries we have the same concerns and that was really important because we brought in the voices that we were trying to uh, be heard we brought in the people that we wanted to be seen and that was that was an unlock for me. And it was, we did it because it was morally right. We wanted to give a voice and a platform to a woefully underrepresented part of the global population. You, you know, it's it's it, 16% of the global population identify as having a disability. And yet they were just not seeing themselves. And we won the competition, we did the right thing by society, and as a serendipitous byproduct, and it was an important one, it sold more chocolate. There was a 7% uplift in sales and it was the most effective campaign that Maltesers had run for 18 years. And that was amazing because there we were doing what was morally right, doing what was right for society. But we had this, this nugget, this story that we could take back to the business and say, you know what, what's right for society right for business and and that's really at the at the cornerstone of the valuable 500 and our partnership so for me now uh what well, my math seven years on from from that campaign having the opportunity to be leading an organization and lead leading a, a partnership to to continue what i felt in some small part i'd started with the fabulous team at Mars and Maltesers, it is really important for me and really special, and that's what I have lived experience of. You know, I have lived experience of doing what's right for society and understanding that is right for business as well, and that's powerful.
0: That transition from where you were to where you are, uh, because it is it, it is a bit of a of a change, right? Yeah, yeah. Give us a little bit of insight into that. What what drove it? How did you end up where you are? So
1: the other, hopefully for the listeners, the other interesting part of the story is after the success of the Maltesers campaign, and I suppose the the lighting of the fire in my belly, I met Caroline. And I met Caroline in June 2018, when she was a one-woman band with a clear mission and an idea of the Valuable 500 and she had secured the main stage slot at Davos in in the January of 2019 and i won't spare caroline's blushes those who know caroline i know she would have done an amazing job just standing on the stage and saying come on come on are you with me let's do this but with my background and my passion for advertising and communication and creation of a brand i said to caroline we're going to create you a campaign. And I had a fabulous, um, supportive CEO at the, the time, a lady called Dame Silla Snowball. And I said, It won't affect the day job. I'll do it around the edges, but I'm going to assemble a crack team and we will do this. And we created a campaign, which was the launch campaign for the Valuable 500. And that was the second stage of my journey and my relationship with Caroline and my relationship with the Valuable 500 and my understanding of the mission, this meaningful, ambitious, vitally important mission. And we kept in touch and Caroline kept me abreast of uh, what was going on. And um, it it wasn't a shoo-in, I have to say this. The recruitment process was the hardest thing I've ever done. But it was the most important thing that I've ever done. It was grueling. Goodness me, did they put me through their paces, <laughs> through my paces. Um, but that, that, that's effectively how I got here. And I think that for me was the bridge, you know, the start of the journey with Maltesers. That far in my belly, that understanding of what's right for society is right for business through the power of communication, through the power of brands and the opportunity to meet Caroline and and ultimately be here today.
0: Such an interesting trajectory. Going back a little bit to the whole piece on the action and the accountability and these key key constituents that you have these five hundred uh companies, huge names and these individuals these these corporates are just the tip of the iceberg right because each one of them has supply chains and yeah, ecosystems that are massive. Love to find out a little bit about that how how can we uh make sure that it's not just these these constituents of yours who are formally engaged with you, but also we push out and we 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 embrace and engage the broader ecosystem that all of these corporates have.
1: Yeah, so that's that that is that's a very fair and interesting point, and it is it is critical. And I hope this doesn't sound like a, a cop out, but I think in the spirit of Rome wasn't built in a day, we have to start we have to start with these 500. And that's why Tokyo, 3rd of December, 2025, our accountability summit is really important because it it certainly doesn't stop there. That again is another moment in time. When we come together, we share our stories, we share our progress, we learn from each other, we hold each other to account, but then it isn't just a pat on the back and a job done. It's okay, well, what's next? And a critical part for me is taking those learnings, taking those programs, those initiatives, the data, the stories, and going, right, right, Unilever, right, Microsoft, whoever it may be, now look at your supply chain, pass on that knowledge, pay pay it forward. So it, it is critical. But I think in the same way, Caroline was fierce and clear that she needed to have the CEO conversation and that wasn't ego driven that was just a, a reality and a factor that you start at the top and you learn and you hone and you improve you have that visibility you have that reach you have that scale and then you disseminate out so supply chains smes you know broader into the business community and the world at large is absolutely critical but i think for us we've got to um if this is the correct expression, I have a Romanian friend who talks about you can't eat an elephant in one sitting. So we have to chunk the elephant down. Apologies to any vegetarians or vegans. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to chunk it down. You have to chunk it down. So we get to Tokyo. We hold each other to account. What do we learn? How do we move forward? How do we share the best practice and how do we yeah, how do we spread the learning um, and the programs into in, it throughout our supply chain? and into other smaller enterprises because at the end of the day we are about inclusion so we can't be exclusive we can't say you're only with us if you're big and powerful and goodness knows what else we have we have to share and we have to spread but we we have to start somewhere and we have to do it in stages
0: for any chief executives out there who are listening to this show or perhaps the folks leading strategy or talent where would you point them to how can they get involved what can they do
1: so contact me. <laughs> come to Katie at the valuable 500. Um, talk to each other. talk talk to peers as well. but I mean definitely, you know, come 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 to us because our role as the valuable 500 is a bridge broker and a matchmaker. So even if we don't have the immediate answers, we're here about connecting the dots and joining each other. But I think my advice overall to anybody who wants to start this journey is: start, have a conversation. Don't worry about getting things wrong. None of us are perfect. We're all we works in progress. I think that's the biggest that's the biggest barrier: this fear of oh, what if I'm not quite good enough, and what if I don't match up to my peers? Honestly, it doesn't matter. Just start, have that conversation. Speak within your industry verticals. Look at your you know m- m- make sure you've you've got the resources at your disposal. But yeah, I hope this isn't too much of an obvious answer, but please do, do, do come to me.
0: What's, what's the website address of the, of the Valuable 500?
1: So it is the valuable, valuable500.com and it's, uh, the valuable written out and then 500, uh, numerically.com.
0: Excellent. Now, before we wrap up, I want to ask you, what's the key takeaway that you'd love for the audience to keep in mind after they finished listening to today's episode?
1: So the key takeaway, and happily, I can give you one answer that actually rings true for me personally, as well as professionally. And I would say embrace the power of accountability. And I know I've used that word a lot, but that's been very intentional. I often think people see accountability as something onerous and burdensome and, and, and weighty. Actually, I find accountability, personal accountability, professional accountability, incredibly liberating i don't find it onerous or ominous in any way shape or form because being accountable is taking ownership and it's being truthful and i think there is real power and real liberation in owning and acknowledging failures as much as successes it's cliched but we learn more from our failures than we do from our successes and and it shows that you're human so Accountability is so critical for me because it builds trust, it fosters growth. And if you are honest and open about where you are, you know where you need to go. So the power of accountability is irrefutable for me because critically for us as humans, us as professionals, us as leaders, us as companies, it will mean we progress because we're honest about where we are now and inevitably that will allow us to move forward.
0: Excellent. Well, here's to accountability and Katie, <laughs> thank you so very much for joining me and joining us on the Do One Better podcast. Really good seeing you again and uh I wish you good luck on this journey up to uh, the 3rd of December 2025. Give my very best to Caroline and I'm looking forward to seeing one of you at least back on the show at some point down the line.
1: Alberto, thank you so much for having me. I've massively enjoyed it. It's been brilliant. Thank you so much for the conversation and the opportunity.
0: Perfect, and that's a wrap. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to a great chat with Katie Talikowska, Chief Executive Officer of the Valuable 500. For information about this conversation and more than 200 other interviews and case studies with remarkable thought leaders in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship, just visit our website at Ligi.org. That's L I D J I.org. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already and do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find this show as well. Thoroughly enjoyed producing today's show for you and I look forward to catching up with you on Monday.